What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm here with some wonderful people. Ty, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Following rock, a not rock climbing related injury. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney, how are you? I'm good. Ty, you're injured? Yeah, I think I pulled a muscle in my chest. Oh, no. So uh, definitely not a rock climbing related injury. Um, I'm pretty sure I did it lifting a bag of dog food because oh. I have a 75 pound dog that requires a hundred pound bag of food. <laughs> like every so. day. Just kidding. Yeah. Oh, big dogs. I have a little dog. Neil, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing uh, not currently injured, but, you know, the, the day's still young. So, you know, we'll see. You never know what could happen on Studio Wesley Annex. Just kidding. That makes us sound really bomb, though. Okay, anyways, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we'll get rolling. Um, dear God, thank you for letting us come together today uh, with these texts we're about to go through. Um, we pray that these will be useful to anybody who absorbs this content in whatever way, shape, or form. Uh, as always, thanks for yeah letting us engage in this and seeing what's going to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Ty, you have our first text of the day, the New Testament text. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, I think so. It's it's kind of a doozy. So we're 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 there. We're right there with you. All right. Okay. Take it away. All right. Well, um, I have the privilege to talk about Second um, Peter. Uh, I'm going through. Uh, 19 through 25. And I have to say that this text is challenging for me um, because the, the context of it is um, Peter is like talking to people who are enslaved, uh, talking to like servants. Um, and it's obviously it's it's that's kind of a tricky subject to navigate um and i think that this is one of those um situations where when we are responding to a biblical text we have to um we have to wrestle with the fact that the bible was written at a very specific time um and Oftentimes, the text that we're reading uh, does not relate to today's culture. Uh, contextually, it doesn't. Um, it just doesn't apply to our life in the same way that it did back then. Um, and maybe you know, for somebody reading uh, a letter from Peter back then, who was uh, an enslaved person uh, or a servant, or how, however the translation is. Um, may have found some level of, I don't know, comfort, I guess, in that, in that, in what he's saying, which I'll get to that in a second. Um, but today we, we have gr grappled with the horrors of what slavery is and, and what it has done to people and what it's done to, um, uh, our country, uh, and so it, it's just a different context. Uh, and I felt like I needed to um, preface this with that. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I think I pull out of this um, is just the, 
that Peter is saying, um, basically like when, when you're, ha when you're being, um, when, when you're suffering, like through your suffering, um, it, it's sort of like a turn the other cheek kind of thing. He says like, um, when you suffer, uh, when you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And then he goes on to say, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to one, or excuse me, instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed um and i think that there is something to be pulled there uh, about um about in, in our suffering when we when we endure things um maybe there's a there's a tendency for us i know this for me is to just either to want to like just give up or to to want to like fight um, and, and get angry about something that's happening in my life. Um, and I think maybe perhaps the, the better way to endure that, to get through it, um, and to come out of it on the other side for the better is to try to find something to be, um, glad about, or to, to find something to hold on to that is, um, that is good and keeps me grounded in hope, um, grounded in something that is bigger than the thing I'm dealing with. Um, so I, I think that's what I, what I get out of this text. Uh, but I'm interested to hear, um, what the rest of you have to think. Yeah. First of all, I just want to say thank you for the, the extra context at the beginning. I think that's so important, especially if we're looking at these with the modern lens and with young people in mind, like I don't, there's a lot of things in the Bible that are so hard to get through when you first read them. And uh, that, that context is incredibly important. Absolutely. Um, we also like, I feel like the Bible has so much talk about suffering that it just gets harder and harder every single time. You're just like, Oh my gosh. Um, and that, and then, you know, I'm, I'm like a broken record. Cause I always, I also complain about the, the levity and the joy that happens in, the Psalms text, because I'm like, that's too much joy. The world's not really like that. But then when we talk about suffering, I'm like, ah, too much suffering. I just, I'm just never happy is the problem. Um, but no, I, no, I absolutely think this, this like resting and looking for the hopeful things that we can redeem out of this is, is just a, a great thing. So I just, I, I'm just calling on all that. I'll stop talking there. Um, yeah, I, Ty, I'm with you. I also struggle with scriptures like this, um, and unpacking, uh, things contextually and how they apply to us now. Um, and I definitely think that I feel that way about talking about like suffering in the context of like spirituality. Cause I feel like where I'm at now, and this may change, but like, for me right now, spirituality and religious practice is something that I utilize to like relieve suffering 
like I see it as like a tool to help me cope with like the existential things of life that like I need help with, you know, the questions that I don't have answers to. And But I do think that there is something to like, when we think about justice work um, and the ways that, um, and I think especially in context of kind of talking about slavery and the effects that these things have had on our country systemically, we kind of can see how when we step into, um, when we step into doing that work, into calling out things in our culture that are harming people, and we we decide to stick up for people who um, don't have a voice. Um, yeah, sometimes we do suffer because sometimes um, we're met with, I guess, the hand of uh, the state or whoever else might be, I guess, oppressing us and. So yes, suffering does happen, I think, sometimes when we are dedicated to our faith in that kind of way and to justice work and to um, liberation. So it's like both. I think there's room for both in all of it. Yeah, I um, I, I also like, it, it, was, it was funny just the, the other day, I think, was it last Sunday? No, it was the one before. Um, I got lunch uh, with uh, Pastor Ben. He doesn't like being called pastor uh, of San Marco Church, uh, as well as like, you know, Grace and, you know, Andrew and Zach, a couple of other friends. And um, I think it was Ben. No, it might have been Andrew's idea or like Ben's idea. But one of them just said, OK, like, here we go. I got a question for you all. How do you reconcile suffering in the world, basically? And we're like, oh, all right, let's go get lunch and talk about this. So a lot of this is still kind of fresh in my brain. Um, yeah, I love the idea that like I resonate with what you were saying, Ty, where it's it's easy for us to get angry about things that are just out of our control, you know, things that like we can't we don't have the power to change. And um Somewhere in what you were saying, I was reminded um, in in Red Dead Redemption Two, there is this character. <laughs> Mike's making a face. There's this character uh, named Rainsfall. He is, you know, a portrayal of uh, an indigenous man, and essentially, like this takes place after, like you know, the wars and stuff where they were just kind of decimated. And he says this quote to his son. He goes, "Do not die for pride, my son. We have suffered too much in this trick. The earth, the water, they have no pride. They endure, and we must endure." And that's what I was thinking about when you're when you're you know talking about just having to like endure and find other ways to just um I almost want to say power through something, but you know, like other ways to just deal with and to handle like whatever it is life is throwing at you, you know, because getting angry and throwing tantrums, that's not gonna fix anything. That barely worked when we were kids, and it sure doesn't work when we're adults, or at least it shouldn't. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Man, I love Red Dead Redemption 2 so much. And there's also such an interesting like generational divide when it comes to that quote you just said, Neil, too, of like, this is a father saying that to his son and his son is like, no, I'm like, I'm like ready to, to fight and make these like big moves. And the dad's like, let's just come down and think about it. I won't get into that too much, but there's like I think there's something very interesting about that generational difference in how we approach things. Uh, but that's for another time. For the current time, Sydney's going to take us into the 
Old Testament text, which I say in quotation marks because as in past weeks, it is an Acts, actually a New Testament text. Uh, Sydney, you ready? Take it away. Hello. Um, all right. I'm I'm here to discuss a little bit of Acts with you. Acts um, 2, 42 through 47, um, which I am locating in my Bible here. Um, I actually feel really lucky that I got this scripture because literally the last um, annex I was in, I was talking about how much I love Acts. Um, <laughs> and so getting this today felt really like, ah, uh, yes, something like homey. Um, and so this scripture is probably one that most of us are familiar with. It, um, it's the scripture that comes after Pentecost, um, the Holy Spirit comes and there's fire and there's people speaking in different languages and then there's an impassioned um, message from Peter about the Holy Spirit um, and then we get this um, scripture about community um, and it I'm just gonna read it because it's pretty short and um, yeah um, in verse 42, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Uh, every day, they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Um, I This is probably one of my favorite scriptures. Um, and there's so many reasons I love it. But I love that we just got this, like, right before, in this same chapter, this, like, all this kind of crazy imagery of, like, fire and wind and miracles and people speaking different languages and you know then we get this scripture that's so simple about like what this kind of looks like what the holy spirit looks like in community um and it's eating together and it's taking care of each other um and like this is probably some like a scripture that has um, centered my faith journey a lot um, in kind of what faith practice is to me. And I say it all the time when I'm on here, but it is like about community to me. Um, I think that scriptures like this, I think there's a lot of scriptures about like our personal relationships with God and um and our own devotion and our own um, practice and our own transformation, which I think is beautiful and important. But I think in our society where we're constantly being given this message that like our hyper individualism is like the most important thing. Scriptures like this to me are so essential because to me, this says that like faith is also 
community. Faith is also showing up for each other and experiencing the Holy Spirit together. It's not all about what we experience on our own. It's also what we experience when we come together and when we break bread. Um, and yeah, and also just give, give me permission because I think I grew up with this like deep pressure that like if I wasn't experiencing some crazy supernatural thing with God when I was alone and when I was praying alone, that like I wasn't a good Christian or something. Um, and again, I think that comes from this message of like hyper individualism. But like this, this, oh, sorry, my alarm. <laughs> um, yes, just the simplicity of like experiencing God in community um, and like mutual aid, like literally like selling your goods to take care of the people around you. That's literally mutual aid. Um, I'm literally going to a friend's house tonight. She's going to cook me dinner. Um, that's faith to me. And so, yeah, I just, I love this scripture. I'll love to hear what y'all think about it. Um, and I think it's like so important. God, Sydney, I, I relate to everything you say so hard, so hard about this. I was literally having a conversation earlier this week about how like, there's some people in my life who are heavily evangelical, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I did find myself a lot of times comparing the fact that these people go around saying like, oh, God said this to me and God spoke this into me. And I like felt God telling me to like that. Everything in their lives is that way. And I'm not downplaying that or degrading that in any way. But I will say for me personally, that was always hard because I don't I don't feel that like in my personal experience with God. And and that sometimes causes some low points when you're lonely. It's like I feel lonely and I don't hear God, at least not in the way other people are telling me they hear God. So like, what's wrong with me as a Christian or what's, what, what am I doing wrong? And then, yeah, I mean, I think exactly what you said. I'm just repeating you, Sydney, but like this scripture gives you permission to like see God in community and see God in other people like that. That's the permission I need is like to see God's presence in my communal activities or when I'm just being around people like that is ever like that is equally as much God's presence in my life as like me hearing a definitive thing from God speaking to me. And I just think that's so important to hear. So that's the, that's why I'm repeating you again, Cindy, because like, God, it's so good. Uh, I'll stop there. Yeah, absolutely. Love all that, Sydney. I, I also felt like, you know, like you and like Michael, like a lot of the, a lot of the pressures to just it's like, yeah, like I, I grew up in, in a, in a evangelical Christian school. Right. And I'd hear, you know, my classmates and my teachers and all these people. And they'd all say, Oh, God said this to me. God spoke this into my life. The Lord, the Lord reached out and touched my heart. And, and I'm, I'm sitting around. I was like, where is he? <laughs> you know? Cause I, I, uh, I had moments where like, you know, I feel like, Cause and you know they're always like, oh, pray really hard for something and the Lord will give it to you. And so I'd pray hard and then nothing would happen, and that was like tough to reconcile. And it's not like at that time, like I didn't go the direction of well, maybe God's not real. I just went the other direction of maybe I'm just not praying hard enough, or maybe I just don't believe enough, or maybe I'm just not a good enough Christian. And that was like a hard bit of shame to sort of overcome over the years. Um, but. I, I do re I do really enjoy what you were saying about how um that like just exp just experiencing like 
faith like within community you know it's like the way we experience it like with others because it's not just a solo experience you know the whole point of like churches and you know whatnot is communities for us to gather together and ex experience like something together you know like even and i guess some of that is like collective effervescence right but like also like it's <laughs> but also like it, there is something something real to that you know something tangible to it and uh yeah you know like if it if it has an impact then you know it has an impact but there yeah there's there's something to it there's something to it yeah you know for me this is one of those um passages that's like reminds me not to put god in a box um that it is not on me to like it, it's not it's not only on me to 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 experience god in my own body and in my own head um like i it is it is in my experience better when i when i uh when i have those experiences or, or i i sort of just know you know like notice something um like oh okay all right i see that a little bit of a kind of a god thing right I, I noticed that more in community um it is it's always been more impactful to me in community um things happen in in community that uh you just can't do on your own um and i think that i mean obviously there's like a strength in numbers kind of thing right but also like could it just be that god is working in in us and through us in community to make bigger things happen uh, than we could do on our own. I, I think in my experience, that's, that's kind of the case. Um, so I love this. I love everything about um, this passage um, and the, the image of gathering at a table and breaking bread um, with people that I love is, is always so powerful. Um, a really, really powerful thing to think about. Especially in a in a day and age where there's so many people that are like, we've got to make separate tables for separate people, you know, like that's that's a big thing right now, and uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, they gathered at the table and broke bread, and we gather here online or in your car and break to break. This is our break. What a segue he just did. We'll see you soon. we're back before we get started i threw ty under the tie under the bus in front of the bus on top of the bus i threw him somewhere uh to talk about his chest injury but we didn't get to talk about the game boy update that i thought was bomb.com so ty you have to share with us the update about game boy colors in 2023 <laughs> you're muted still oh man <laughs> That's a bummer. This is my, <laughs> my new Game Boy. 
it's a Game Boy Color that I've had. I think this is my original one since childhood. Um, except I took it out of this case here. And I put this case on it with these new buttons, uh, which are buttons from, or not, they're not from, but they look like a, like an original Game Boy but like the OG, the big one. And I put a new screen in it, um, and it gets really, really bright, and it looks great. And I've been playing a lot of Mario Tennis. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> That's my Game Boy update. I literally only have memories of Game Boy Colors and like Pokemon and Power Rangers. It's like, it's the classic. It's amazing. I'm yeah. still very impressed that you've changed, you're able to change the screen on those because that's wild. Those things were like impossible to play in the dark in the past. You want to know how long it took? How long did it take? 10 minutes. See, that's upsetting. It's really easy. <laughs> that's incredible. God, I'm going to buy a Game Boy Color now. I bet they're really expensive. This is not pertinent to this, this episode at all, but it's very important information. Um, all right, we will keep it moving now. If you need any information about Game Boy Colors, reach out to Ty for all your Game Boy needs. Uh, Neil, are you ready to tell us about Psalms 23? Yes, sir. Take it yes, away. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Psalm 23, the big one. We've all heard it probably and or heard of it. Um, you know. Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. If you do the King James Version, CEB is a little bit different. Uh, I, I love this. I love this psalm. I almost call it a song, which I guess it is. But you know, I love this psalm a lot. It used to be uh, one of my favorites for a very long time when I was like, you know, growing up. It was always one that I would like go to for, you know, times of like comfort and whatnot and it's not terribly long it's only like six verses but yeah you know just it, it's the ways in which david and or the psalmist just said, like likes to it's the way in which he words like how god provides refuge and rest from all of the various challenges of the world you know it's like he lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths. And it's like, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Like that is there with that. There's just a level of comfort and a level of certainty. Right. And it's like, what do you mean you fear no danger? Right. It's like, I live in Jacksonville. All right. When the sun goes down, it's a bad place sometimes. All right. You got to be careful. You need to, you know, keep an eye over your shoulder, like depending on where you are. Like, is anything can happen, but you know, like with David in the psalm, it's just the utmost certainty that everything is going to be okay, and that no matter what, God is always going to be there for him, and God is always going to look out for him. And I just, I, I absolutely adore that. You know, I think it's not, you know, the, 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 these days I feel like I, I tend to have a lot of various struggles with books of the Bible. Um, in CCW, we just got through going through the book of Romans and Paul is quite, quite a fellow. Um, and, you know, Paul has quite a few passages where I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. But this psalm, I have nothing but love for. Sorry to hate on Paul. I know, I know we haven't talked about, well, I mean, I guess we talked about Paul last time around, but, you know, it's like not to just spew Paul hate. He was an all right guy, I guess, you know, but I adore the psalm, and I adore the hope and love it makes me feel. So, yeah. 
I want to hear what y'all have to say. You know, this one, um, it's not one that I read very often, but when I do, I, I, um, get good fuzzy feelings from it. Um, I, I like this a lot. I particularly like, um, the last verse, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Um, I am a classic, like doubting kind of person. I spend a lot of, uh, I, I've spent a lot of my like life in, in my faith, like doubting the foundations that the, that whole faith was built on. And I've done a lot of time deconstructing. I've done a lot of time reconstructing. And there have been parts of my life where I thought, um, like, whoops, all that, all that time that I was doing all of that, uh, all of the, all the doubting, all that, whatever, that was just like lost time, um, in regard to my faith life. Uh, and it's not like, that's not true. Like it's a journey. It's something that we all go through in one way or another. And surely God will walk beside us all the days of our life. And that includes all the hills and that includes all the valleys and that includes any other, um, you know, geographical um, example I could think of um, mountains, um, lakes, volcanoes, you know, all of that stuff. There's a parallel with everything. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that reminds me of, um, of my past, the journey I've been on. It, it's one that helps to prepare the way for the journey that I still have ahead of me. Sorry, if you hear kids screaming in the background, they're just having fun. So I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> they're like screaming bloody murder. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm so distracted. Um, I love this passage. I'm with you both. And I was kind of like thinking like, why do I love this so much? I usually have a lot of complicated feelings about passages that are like, talking about God as like a protector because I feel like a lot of time there's a lot of like, uh, God is going to strike my enemy. Like there's a lot of that in Psalms or it's like, God's going to destroy my enemies and protect me. And, but something about this one is so like, not necessarily God is like just a protector, but like a nurturing presence. Like, and I just love it. And I think I like something about the language is so like filled with like this, like belief that there's like abundance and like rest. Like when I first started going to therapy, um, you know, I would talk to my therapist about my trauma as you do. And I always kind of had this kind of repeating thing where I'm like, would express to my therapist, Lindsay, like that I just didn't understand how I was going to feel better about certain things, certain traumas I have, certain things about my family, certain experiences. I was like, how am I ever going to feel better about this? This sucks. And it's always going to suck. But she kept repeating to me that like, she's like, Sid, you deserve to be happy. 
it's okay to like want relief and happiness. Like that's accessible. And to me, that's like what the scripture is giving me is this like, it's okay to desire relief and peace. And like that is actually accessible to you in God because even with the chaos of everything, it's accessible. You know, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I just love it. Um, and also I love, uh, speaking of enemies, this part where it's like, you set a table for me right in front of my enemies. Something about that is so, it's like, it's not you strike my enemies dead. It's like you feed me and nourish me in front of my enemies. They see me thriving because of you. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. <laughs> There's so much recontextualizing of like, like imagery that could be harsh and is now calm. Like the one that stuck out to me, Neil was the, the, I think it was calming waters or like the refreshing waters. I don't remember how it was worded in your translation, but, but like, yeah, you have like the roaring waves that we talk about and things, but where you have like the calm waters. Like, I also think this like draws a lot of attention to, and this is going to be a beautiful segue into me talking about the gospel text this week, but there's a beautiful like highlighting of, God is like the shepherd too, because I think it's one thing to say like God, the protector. And like, you know, when we think of like somebody protecting us, but there's like all these different things that the scary things that could be protected from. And it's like, that could be a violent image, but like a shepherd is like the most peaceful possible protector. And like, look at a little sheep. It's like, it's like calm sheep in a pasture. Like we're still getting the protector image, but we're getting it in a much more peaceful way and i just yeah i think that's awesome um and yes i will use that as a segue right into me talking about uh john chapter 10 verses 1 through 10 uh, i'll read a little chunk of this uh, and then i'll tell you the context about it afterwards so this is uh jesus speaking to the pharisees and he says very truly i tell you anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And then he basically lays it out a little bit more, <laughs> you know, directly. But yeah, one thing, just highlighting the, the shepherd imagery here, I think, at least in a modern context, when I think of like being called a sheep, I feel like it has a negative connotation, whether that be like sheep are unintelligent or don't have their own opinion, their own voice, or, you know, just this idea of a follower being a bad thing in modern day society. Um, but I think this passage is dope because the only thing it's highlighting about sheep really is that um, they're able to recognize the voice of the person who cares about them, which is like ultimately, I think, a great thing. The sheep follow the voice that takes care of them and not the voice they don't know. Um, let me just bag up a little bit and give some context to this. Like right before this passage, the Pharisees like kind of show their hand as who they are by like, so Jesus heals a blind man and the Pharisees cast out the blind man because to the Pharisees, vision, both literally and spiritually is like the defining factor of intelligence and power, like because they can see all, they know all. And because this man is blind, that cannot be divine. It has to be a bad thing. And I just, 
I bring all that up to say because the scripture refers to Jesus as the door, the gate into the pen where the sheep are. And and then, it, you know, it says that not everybody who stands among the sheep comes across that way. Some climb into the thing and sometimes you'll like look at the sheep pen and there might be somebody in there, but that doesn't mean that they're the shepherd. They could be anybody else. And like, this may be a stretch, but I'm going to say it anyways, because this is what I thought when I listened, when I read this was that like spiritual leaders and like religious leaders, um, they can gain their place amongst God's people through a bunch of different means. They can gain that through personal connections, through political connections, through education, ambition, manipulation, corruption. Like there's not, there's not a defining, like in modern day spiritual leaders and well, always spiritual leaders can come to that position in any way. And I, and I do think this could be a passage about like wolf and sheep's clothing, like God saying like, um, those that enter like Jesus's presence or like this faith community, like there's only one true way. And that way is how God intended, which is through the gate. That is Jesus through the door. Jesus is that door. Some people can climb over and they can get into those areas, but that's, that's not the way God only intended one true way. And that's through him. And he intended for his people, the sheep to be led, fed and protected in a legitimate way an intended way by Jesus's love, not by the power or the, the status of those that could come in a different way. It's always through Jesus who's at the gate and you'll recognize that voice because that is the voice that takes care of you, that loves you, that feeds you, that protects you. That, that is what that voice is going to sound like. And we can recognize that as people, we can recognize what voice makes us feel taken care of and what voices don't. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stop there. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Snap, snap. That was so good. That was really good. Um, yeah, I I'm just gonna echo everything you said. Like, I love I yeah I love the direction you took kind of your analysis around like kind of the wolf in sheep's clothing, um, because I I think that's so like <sighs> something about like the this analogy of like um in the parable of like recognizing like the voice of the shepherd to me just kind of reminded me of what it's like the journey of like learning to recognize your intuition you know like um and how important that journey is and that and it, again it's not some supernatural thing where you're just like oh i'm learning to like what like some people it is for me it's not um for me like this process of like learning to like trust my intuition is also the same journey as like learning to stay true and anchored in my values and be able to bring those to my relationships and hold boundaries and assert my needs, right? If I'm holding my boundaries and I'm holding my values at center, I'm not going to get into a relationship with somebody that that shakes me from there. Right. And it's, I feel like it's the same thing in these kinds of religious spaces as we navigate religious leaders, like you were talking about, Mike, it's so important for us to be disciplined in our biblical literacy and in our values, because there are going to be people who step into these spaces who have not entered via this path through this gate. And we have to be able to recognize um, when those voices are being 
a manipulative. Um, and so I think that's like a really important journey of like discipline and like centering and like trusting yourself. Um, so yes, I love that. Yeah, I, I really love all that as well. And I love what you said, Sydney, about just like learning to to trust like your instincts and your intuition because like yeah, like some of that, some of that is like supernatural for people, you know, and some of it is just, you know, we as we as humans just have these really weird innate abilities that like can't necessarily just be explained, you know, and some of it is just just learning to like trust yourself because I feel like at least like for me, um, like like I said, growing up in like deep evangelical places, uh, I was taught to doubt my senses. Um, I was taught to doubt all that, you know, and to doubt like the things that I see and hear and whatnot because the world isn't to be trusted and you have to guard your heart and all that stuff. But, you know, but like, like what you said, it's more about like just remaining, like remaining like true to yourself and like, you know, your values and whatnot. Right. And not letting in people who are going to shake that um, unless I don't know. I guess unless your values need to be shaken, but obviously that's that's up to you, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I I, I love that, particularly the bits just about like yeah, remaining true to yourself and not letting in people who are going to change you for the worst, you know. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't have a whole lot to add. Um, I, I agree um, with everything that the three of you have said. Um, I've I, I have been spending the last few minutes trying to think of times in my life, um, like when I have felt like I've been le- like led astray, um, and I, I'm I'm counting myself lucky that I, I don't know that I've had that. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of like really good guiding uh, voices and presence um, in my life um, from the people that I have chosen to trust um, because they have proven themselves to be, to be pretty trustworthy. Um, and that, and that's a good thing. And I, um, I think as I, as I get older, um, like I, I realize that my, that my instincts are pretty good. I would say, I, I think I have a pretty level head on my shoulders. Um, and, you know, as we get into like talking about how instincts and in, in our faith align, um, Sydney, you're so right about needing to, to like, as, as Christian people, um, we, we, we have to have the, uh, the, the vocabulary, you said the literacy, um, to like understand like where we're being led, maybe why we're being led in certain places. Um, and th- there's, there's something n- pulling us and, and, you know, tugging us and nudging us in directions that maybe uh, we never expected to go. Um, and I think that sometimes that happens and, and we just have to, uh, trust our instincts, trust our, um, trust our creator and 
like just fall hopefully up um and it's i don't know it's like terrifying and it's fun too sometimes um yeah i i, I love that um Yeah, I just want to like now draw a quick connection between this and like Sydney, your text too. Like we've talked about how like um, it's not just a personal journey with God. It's also like a communal experience. And then I feel like this text is also saying like, and in that communal experience, you know, like trust your personal experience also. So it's like, it, it truly is that like um, connection or the, what is it? The cohabitation co of the two. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like, you know, the working together cooperation of the two, there we go. Right. Like our, our own impulses, plus being able to bring that to a community and be challenged in those and being able to challenge others. I don't know. I think there's, a, there's a lot of cool, um, connection between all that. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for engaging with that with me. Um, Neil, I think you're going to close us in prayer. I feel like that also sounded really a lot like I hadn't, like Neil didn't know that ahead of time and I just threw him under the bus like, Neil, I think you're going to close us in prayer right now. Neil knew this, I promise. There, there's a lot of throwing under the bus and sabotage going in here. I think I think uh, Derek might need to look into getting a new host. You know what I'm I saying? Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, like I knew it. I knew it. Three cliches that I just kind of cycle when I get nervous and, you know, that's, that's my thing. So, um, Neil, would you like to close us in prayer? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I certainly, I certainly will. All right, <laughs> dear Lord, uh, thank you for the day. Thank you for this, you know, wonderful recording. It's always good to sit down with you know these people and just you know discuss like scriptures and how we feel about it, and just sort of like bounce off like feelings and ideas off of each other. It's always a wonderful space to be, and I hope that whoever listens, you know, will certainly get something out of it and that maybe one of us can you know sort of say something that you know hits them or allows them to look at it in a different way and you know we'll hopefully bring them closer to you um yeah so thank you so much in your name we pray amen well this has been studio wesley annex thank all three of you for joining in this communal experience with me and for anybody listening thank you for joining us uh it's been great and until next time this has been Studio Wesley Annex. 